0: Hello, welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustace. This week's pod is dedicated to anyone who's dreamed of working overseas. We wouldn't blame a graduate for fancying a change of scenery. The UK job market has been a little grey of late. But with economies abroad also not quite as sunny as they once were, what does that mean for employment prospects? Later in the show, we'll be putting that question and more to international careers expert Nanette Ritmeester. We'll also be talking to graduate Charlie Bagley, who recently interned with PwC in Chile. And in a networking theme, Dear Julian will offer tips on rubbing shoulders with senior staff. But first, as always, we've got a roundup of the news. Today I've got Ali White and wannabe hack slash Guardian content coordinator Matt Keynes joining me to share their picks of this week's careers, headlines and blogs. Hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you both? Very well. Welcome to the pod, Matt.
1: Uh, thanks very Pard much hard first
0: timer <laughs> Ali yeah take it away with your story
2: well I've actually got a round up of a recent Q&A that we did on the site which was called using online tools and techniques to get a job in journalism but the reason I've picked it is because I think a few of these tips are quite applicable to anyone really looking for a job or people looking in other creative type industries at least Um, So the first tip is making sure you can be found online because the expert that recommended it said he reckons every journalist needs to be found when someone types their name and the word journalist into Google. They should just pop up but you know it takes some effort to do so so some of his suggestions were making sure you've got an active twitter account that your facebook security status is lowered so people can identify you and you have a linkedin account you needed to have completed your google profile and not just have signed up for free email and you should have at least have one website with a relevant domain name more than one works better so it's quite a lot of effort he sort of said but i think the more the better at getting yourself out there he even says you know try and work with seo (laughs) Thank you. the <laughs> cat and you can get all-in-one SEO packs installed. So it's not that tough, really. And you need to blog and be active and involved in forums. So a few good tips
0: there. And yeah. that counts, like, for all jobs as well. So if someone mm. puts in Ali White, um, horse rider, or whatever, <laughs> you know, you should come up, you know, whatever your profession, shouldn't you?
2: Yeah, they shouldn't be searching and having to dig to find you, I think. And I did it myself, and I wasn't the top. I was <gasps> a florist with my name, so I was <sighs>
0: like, no! That's <laughs> surprising,
2: actually. <Yeah. laughs> um, okay, the second tip that i quite liked was um, suggesting that you should spread your net widely and outside traditional media in the case of journalism but I think this applies quite a lot when you're looking for work because I think some people think oh, I want to be an accountant maybe I should work for the big four or I want to be a lawyer I should go for the magic circle type roles but You know, in the example of journalism, he said, you know, graduates find work in charities, NGOs, local and national government and the commercial sector. In fact, anywhere where communication skills are important. So just think about what skills you've got and where they might be in demand. And the last tip was about work experience and our expert said it's not difficult to get placements, it's just difficult to stand out on them because she said she's seen numerous people just sit there dumbly, not doing anything, never trying to contribute. It's not just getting it on your CV, it's like making the most of it when you're there and, you know, that's how you stand out. You offer to do stuff, kind of get involved, chat to people, so, you know. Make the most of it if you're going to be
0: there for a week. Thanks, Ali. Okay, my story is um, also from the career site, and it's a graduate view blog on how I've had to sacrifice my values to find a job. So when he left university, Gordon Stribling had dreams of sort of working for an ethically responsible company that really valued and kind of respected its employees. But he's saying that tough competition and a lack of graduate jobs has left him being far less picky. Um, Here's just a little excerpt from his blog. Like many graduates... I left university with a head filled with left wing idealism. The ethically conscious placard waving ethos of campus life cemented my belief that if not actually changing the world, I should at least avoid hastening its decline. But a year after graduating, I've realised that my personal values are just another hurdle to overcome in this increasingly competitive job market. So Gordon's saying it took about six months and 100 applications down the line before we kind of Crossed ethics off his off his checklist of what he wanted from a job, and he didn't think that his kind of values, wanting an ethical employer, were going to be restrictive. But he just wasn't finding that's what he was being offered. And he talks in his blog about how he was temping for a major investment bank and how that kind of broke the seal on his value driven (laughs) job search. And he kind of says there were bills to pay, so I reluctantly accepted the offer. Mm. And as the months went by, he was applying for more and more of these type of roles that he maybe before would have shunned on moral grounds so you're saying graduate or not it is a tough time to be job hunting and although he's going to always strive to uphold his values he's just being more flexible than his conscience would like and I think that's kind of the crux of this story Mm. you know flexibility in the job market is so important at the moment you're going to have an ideal in mind but ultimately you're kind of your career is just stepping stones anyway to where you might ultimately want to be. So when you sort of come out of university and you've got a big ideal of what you want, think about being flexible and taking the steps towards it by maybe compromising on some of the things on your wish list. Um, And it's also like a pertinent and often asked question on the forum from people who are thinking, you know, whether they should change direction or maybe compromise on some of the things that they want. And although lots of career experts often say how important it is to identify your career values, so definitely know about them, but don't stick to them so much that it's restricting opportunities that will help you get where you want to be in the end. So. I would agree with Gordon that while you should know your values and look for employers that reflect them, a little less rigidity, at least in the first step on your ladder, is worth it in the long run. Um, and we'd be really interested to hear from you whether you think graduates should be less picky. So come along to the careers sites, careers.guardian.co.uk, and share your views on this as well.
1: Um, okay, and I've got an article as well, and it's about an aspiring journalist called Lindsay Cochran, who's written a piece for the All Media Scotland website. Um, she's written about being in the very enviable position of of having been offered a job straight out of uni. Wow. Um, I, I think it was about three days after handing in her last essay, so she's extremely lucky. And this is the thing, so lots of people are saying, oh my God, you're so lucky, but Lindsay's basically saying, it's not all about luck, I've mm-hmm. worked super hard. You know, so her story is that she took the bull by the horns um, as early as possible, and she emailed the magazine that she's working for now, where she was offered a job. She emailed them and said, you know, have you got any work experience? be really interested to get involved. And they sorted her out and she tried to make the most out of it. You know, she um, she made a lasting impression and it was good enough for them to ring her about it when she handed in her last essays. And she is now a staff writer there. Um, so... You know, there was two things I really picked up about there and why Lindsay really got chosen. The first was that she was enthusiastic and she took her placement with, you know, all seriousness and with both hands. You know, especially in journalism, although this applies to any job, really. You know, she wasn't just sat there making tea. She wasn't just doing what the editors were telling her to do. She went above and beyond, went out on a limb and said, you know, look, I can do this, I can do this. How about I try this? And, you know, by the sounds of it, it paid off. But the other thing as well was she was very dedicated and she used her downtime very wisely. And this is quite relevant, I suppose, with the summer holidays coming up and lots of people are thinking about going on holiday and they've got a lot of time off. So her weeks were spent, instead of, you know, sunning it and lazing about, she was working, admittedly for free, but she was working for newspapers, magazines, radio stations, and she was really getting a name out there, building an online presence, like Ali was saying. And as an aspiring journo, you can't just expect to be plucked out of uni with a degree. You've really got to show that you've got the enthusiasm and the passion to back it up. And the only way you're going to do that is if you try and, you know, put your name out there and email editors and ask for work experience and internship places. So it's a really good article. Um, but actually, something out of there as well was a word for employers. You know, if you are taking on these work experience and internship people, give them something to do because you never know, they might end up being the best employee you've ever had, you know, down the line. So, yeah, it was a really good article, really interesting.
0: Thanks, Matt. Good advice? Okay, before we dive into dear Julian, I want to say hello to our resident undergraduate Alina Akindeli, who suggested today's podcast topic about overseas opportunities for grads. Hello, Alina. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you tell us, you know, where this kind of idea come from and why you want to know more about overseas job seeking stuff?
3: Well, basically, I'm a social policy student. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's management of social problems and trying to figure out the welfare system and working with that. So it's kind of civil service or non-governmental organisational jobs. And last year they announced that they'll be cutting public sector jobs and obviously social policy is a public sector role so I thought about how I'm going to work around that after graduation.
0: So have you identified any places or any kind of um, locations that you'd like to work in?
3: Well yes actually initially I wanted to go to America everyone wants to go to America (laughs) but um, because I actually had a look and uh, noticed that they had a lot of jobs in their government so I thought okay that's a good idea. But then I kind of researched it a bit further and it's more complicated than it seems because you have to get um, support from the employee there to support your visa and obviously the visa application is long in itself. So I thought, EU kind of might be a better start as it's closer to home so if I do want to go back or change my mind I can come back so I kind of narrowed it down to France or Barcelona. So has this kind of altered your plans a little bit are you now trying to pick up language skills or are you just going to sort of heed their advice and see how you get on when you're there? Well I used to hate doing language actually so <laughs> I wasn't really that good at it but it seems that having different languages kind of makes you more available into the employment world so I feel that learning a new language and also having a new language on my CV will better me. Do you think if the job market wasn't as tough over here that you would still be looking at these
0: locations? Would you be looking to the EU for your social policy career, do you think?
3: I was initially looking looking into it anyway, but I think... The cuts just gave me more reason to look into it, if you understand what I mean. And I don't want to be another one of those people still looking for opportunities and having to just do anything in the meantime till I get it. So I thought uh, I should maybe look into overseas. Before you graduate, have you got any plans to get some international experience even if it was in an unrelated area um I was actually looking into it because you do get a lot of the internships that they're doing and they do let you do some overseas I know they do um like BUNAC, do the overseas job opportunities if you want to do it before you graduate to see what it's like
0: later on in the show we're going
3: to be joined by
0: a, like an international recruitment expert so if you've got any questions have a think because I think you okay. should definitely ask her for All right, some advice okay thank you now, time for Dear Julian. Forum poster NLJ2010 asks, I'm ready for a leadership role, but get nervous around senior managers. Any tips for networking with them?
4: Natalie, all of us feel this way. I still feel intimidated by people on the next tier up from me in my profession. I think all of us, right from, you know, when we start school, we're always worried about Pulling ourselves up to that next level because it's not familiar, it's different. We always look at everyone else and think that they're amazing, whilst at the same time believing our own worst press about ourselves. Everybody has those insecurities. We all feel as if we're playing along and that we're going to be caught out someday. So I wouldn't allow your insecurity to get in the way of your career because you know what? Most people do. And really, the more that I work, the more that I realize that. Being in a senior position isn't always to do with being the most intelligent or insightful person. It's more to do with confidence and it's more to do with being the person that puts their hands up and says, I'm going to do that. And the other side of that is if you don't put your hand up is you also see a lot of people who haven't made a step up in their careers and have stayed on a very similar level and become quite bitter and resentful about the work that they do as uncomfortable as it may feel, I would say, isn't it more uncomfortable to stay where you are? I hate networking. i really, really loathe it. It's just one of those things that you have to do as part of your career sometimes to push yourself onto the next level. I force myself to go to things sometimes and I don't want to. I'm just being completely honest here. I find it easier when I go with somebody. I feel more confident when I've got a colleague with me. I think that I come across much better when I've got that foundation of of someone that I know with me as backup, if you like, as a wingman. Get yourself a drink, get some water, don't drink alcohol straight away. That's a terrible thing to blur the lines of your confidence. I would walk into events, I would look around and I would see who else is in a similar position and then just have a few things always about work. It's always best to start on a work level. And you know what? It's bloody horrible and it's painful and it's awful. But people that get on in their careers are the ones that grasp nettles, that do things that they don't want to do. And don't be the person that doesn't take that initiative. Get on with it.
0: That was Julian Linley, Creative Director at Bauer, on how to network with the bigwigs. This time last year, back when the average number of grads going for every vacancy was a mere 70 instead of the current 80, the Guardian Works section ran a really interesting piece that explored an emerging job market trend which saw UK graduates successfully finding work overseas. Fueled by the tough job market in the UK, increasing numbers of candidates were looking further afield. But what's the situation this year? And other still good opportunities for UK graduates in the international job market. To discuss this more, we're joined on the phone from Rotterdam now by Nanette Ritmeester, founder and director of expertise in labour mobility and expert on international graduate recruitment. Hello Nanette. Hello, Carrie, Thank- how are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. How are things in Rotterdam today? Things are good, apart from the weather, but I think that's everywhere in Northern Europe. OK, so we wanted to ask you about job seeking overseas. Um, would you say there are still opportunities for UK
5: grads in the international job market at the moment? Yes, I do think there are still opportunities. There's not a lot of opportunities, clearly, because, well, we all know there's an economic crisis going on. But even though it's not flourishing at the moment, there are still opportunities But you have to be a bit more patient and you have to be outstanding to be able to get to those opportunities. Even though English is a very wide spoken language, being able to speak nothing but English does limit your opportunities. So an outstanding candidate is at least somebody who tries to speak other languages. That would definitely help a lot in the international arena.
0: Are there any particular countries or regions where um, there might be a demand for UK grads or there there might be sort of more opportunities than elsewhere? I do think my
5: home country, the Netherlands, although the economy is not as good as it was say about five years ago there are still opportunities spain has very high uh, unemployment levels at the moment but still spain does have uh, other opportunities uh, in for instance bioengineering or bio oils so even If an economy is doing very bad at that particular moment, it doesn't mean there are no opportunities at all. How would you recommend graduates um, research those opportunities? I would stay very close to what you're really good at. Certainly when uh, it's difficult to find a job, you can be, I used the word outstanding in my introduction and I think you can only be outstanding if it's something that you really truly like doing. So I would stay very close to your own knowledge and your own skills. But I would try and look if within your skills and knowledge there is a particular niche area. Uh, Only developing common broad skills is not enough. Try and find something that you can excel in and that you could become a specialist in in a certain country or a certain sector.
0: Despite the job market overseas and in certain areas being quite tough would you still recommend UK grads consider working abroad i mean could you kind of sum up the value maybe of international
5: experience well well of course there's the uh, personal value you broaden your experience you broaden your horizon, you learn new people, new opportunities, new environments, um, new food. So, for a personal uh, point of view, it's certainly worth doing. But it's also later on in life, it's a very good way to showcase to other people that you have a certain experience which makes you different from others. At some point in time the economic crisis will go away and uh, prospects will look bright for a lot of people around us, but those that have something extra to add then, the ones with international experience might be able to find jobs quicker than the ones without that extra added value. And are
0: there any sort of trends in the um, international job market that we need to be aware of? Like, say, for example, in the UK, social media and personal branding online is quite big at the moment. Is there anything that you can flag up for us?
5: Yeah, there's certainly um, social media. Have a good LinkedIn profile. Uh, Make sure that your Facebook profile is good. Make sure that you don't duplicate profiles, but that they're different. LinkedIn is really for more professional level experience. Facebook is more personal, but make sure that there's um, not the wrong pictures on your Facebook page because they can definitely harm your job-seeking success. Another trend that I see with my corporate clients is that they look more for young people to send abroad instead of the traditional expat with a lot of experience etc they're looking more to send out young people but they won't send them abroad on the real uh, luxurious expatriate packages with all kind of fringe benefits but they'll send them abroad on what they'll call local plus so there are opportunities certainly for young people to be sent abroad by organizations as an expatriate but on a lower level expert package but still an interesting opportunity to go and a lot of things will be arranged for you by the organization so that's a trend worth notifying.
0: Sure. I'm I'm sort of getting back to social media a little bit. I mean, are there any ways um, using social media or applications, for example, that you can really express and position yourself as a candidate that would be suitable for the international job market? So, for example, should you be tweeting about international business issues
5: and stuff like that? Yeah, that could certainly help. But make sure what you tweet is original and adds value if you're just retweeting other people's stuff or uh, not coming up with original thoughts you're not adding to your profile so be very very careful in how you build your profile creative sectors are very good for all kind of more fancy stuff but for instance the financial sector if you can come up with really good analysis you might draw attention to you that you would otherwise not have gotten. So yes, you can definitely use social media to your advantage.
0: And on the flip side, are there any common mistakes or misconceptions that um, UK grads have when they're looking
5: for jobs in other countries that you've noticed? Often, I'm not saying always, but often very much UK focused. And they think that the UK way of the British way of looking for jobs is common elsewhere too. But that is really not the case. There are countries where it doesn't matter to which university you went. It's good enough that you went to a university. It doesn't impress anybody if it's been Oxford or Cambridge. They just want to know so, what can you contribute? So, be aware that different countries have different customs, pay attention to different sk- uh, things, uh, appreciate different skill sets. Um, and appreciate different kind of people
0: that's really good advice Um, I think this would be a good point to bring Alina in Um, Alina have you got any questions or you know kind of responses to what Nanette said so
3: far yeah actually um, when you covered uh, selling yourself basically uh, on your say your CV when you're sending through applications some people find it easier to do it in person than um, on paper so how would you kind of really show that you want the position on paper because you obviously can't have a face-to-face interview so how can
5: you really showcase your skills? I have to disappoint you a little (laughs) but the first hurdle is getting to the interview stage. By the way if you are being selected very often companies are willing to pay for your travel expenses. They won't fly you in first class but there's a lot of cheap airlines and they will definitely volunteer to offer that or Otherwise, they might suggest a Skype interview or whatever other way of getting in contact with you. You might even want to suggest that yourself in your letter to the uh, prospective employer. But the first hurdle is really writing a good letter.
0: Alina, Nanette, wants to work in a kind of social policy role. I mean, have you got any yeah. tips, um, particularly maybe in the EU she's interested in? Do you have
3: any tips for uh, for that sector? And um, what kind of country are you thinking about? I was thinking about France and Barcelona, so Spain.
5: Okay. Do you speak French or do you speak Spanish? <laughs> no. no, but I am willing to start learning the language. Well, that's that's a good starting point. I would definitely advise you to learn the language. For Spain, if you want to work in Barcelona, well, first of all, Barcelona is Catalonia, so uh, Mm -hmm. Catalan would be uh, better, but you you get away with Spanish. I think the Spaniards will appreciate you trying to do the effort in learning their language, but even if you're not fluent, they'll be able to to work with you and um, they'll help you learn the language while doing. France is a different area in that sense. If you want to work in in France without being able to speak French, I think you've got very little opportunity. The French are very proud of their language. The social policy area, that's an area where you can really showcase what makes you different from anybody else. So try and get some experience, write a paper uh, in a particular area, try to develop your, your knowledge and skills even while not working.
0: Thanks very much, Lynette. That's really interesting advice. Okay. Well, I hope you readers and your listeners have something valuable with my advice. Now, we're going to hear from graduate Charlie Bagley about her experiences working overseas as an intern for PwC in Chile. Fittingly, she's abroad today, holidaying in Spain. Hello, Charlie. Hi. How's the weather?
6: It's lovely, it's really nice, it's about 30 degrees
0: today. Oh, and you're actually by the pool at the moment?
6: Yeah, sitting oh. poolside.
0: Oh, I'm very jealous about that. Um, so, to start off, why don't you tell us a bit about why you wanted to work or take an internship overseas overseas?
6: Well, um, I've just got back from my year in Chile. I graduated from Nottingham in 2010 with a degree in French and Hispanic Studies. So I've always had a bit of the travel bug. Um, I love meeting new people, getting to know new cultures, as I experienced in my third year at university, which I spent abroad. I wanted to see a bit more of the world before I embarked on a career which would pin me down more. I also wanted to consolidate my language skills, which I gained from my degree. And I knew that I still had a lot more to learn and more skills to develop. So tell us a little bit then how you got the internship. Well, when I was in my fourth year at Nottingham, the Global Mobility Consultant came over from Santiago and um, he came to recruit a group of graduates to go over to Chile to sort of develop their international side of things over in Chile. The application process consisted of sending off my CV, a letter stating why I'd be an ideal candidate, and then there was a brief interview.
0: What was it like working in Chile?
6: My time was split into two lots of six months and my first six months was spent in the south in a regional office in a town called Concepcion which was actually the epicenter of last year's earthquake so that was quite an interesting experience living in an active earthquake zone and then there I was a trainee auditor and then the last six months were spent in the head offices in in Santiago where I worked in the sustainability department in the advisory department so I was part of the audit team I got to I visited clients took part in company inventories and learnt the basics of audit and sort of became much more aware of global issues such as uh, carbon dioxide and greenhouse gas emissions and things like that. So really it was a perfect stepping stone for life after uni.
0: So how has that experience informed what you want to do now? I mean, do you want to take a similar role? What kind of are you thinking for your next step?
6: I'm applying to graduate schemes um, in areas in which I worked in Chile. And yeah, it's definitely given me a foundation and more of a a pathway to embark on a career. I'm a bit biased, but I just think that working abroad provides just an incomparable experience. Um, Even though I was already very independent after university, and especially after my third year abroad, this year I had to deal with everything myself on the other side of the world. And I think that made me appreciate life in the UK a lot more. I think we are actually really lucky to live in a society where there's essentially a great education system, and there are high-quality opportunities available out there. And I think... The chances that we're given, we're, we're just very lucky to live here, really. Also, my language skills are now of a much higher standard, even after my, de- even after doing a degree in languages, um, after working and speaking the language every day for a year.
0: It sounds like a fantastic experience, and your CV is going to be looking amazing. <laughs> and also that you would recommend it to anyone as well.
6: Yes, definitely. I'd, I'd say that to anyone considering going abroad, I'd say you've got to be prepared to put in a lot of hard work, that so, and hopefully in the
0: long run it will have been of benefit to me. Well, we'll wish you lots of luck for the future. I think that you're probably going to be really successful. (laughs) Um, Enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thank you very much. Next up, we've got an international-themed jobs top ten. Matt and Ali are going to count down the chart. Coming in at the top of the chart,
2: Teach Anywhere is looking for education advisors to work in Abu Dhabi.
1: At nine, Real Recruitment Limited has an exhibition marketing manager role in Dubai.
2: Search Party is offering head of business development and marketing jobs in Paris, Barcelona or Madrid at eight.
1: Rocking in at seven, the European Molecular Biology Lab is looking for alumni relations officer to work in Germany.
2: Murray McIntosh is searching for a senior legal counsel who will be located in Munich at six.
1: And at five, the British Council is offering English language teacher vacancies in the Middle East.
2: Four is interactive art director roles in Dusseldorf via Firebrand Talent Search.
1: And at three, a resident curator is required for a private museum 90 minutes from Paris.
2: One from the top at two, it's an in-house PR and communications manager in Hong Kong from the work search and selection.
1: And this week's number one is lecturer roles from Raffles Education Corporation in Asia.
0: And finally, here's what we've got coming up on careers.guardian.co.uk next week. On Wednesday, the 17th of August, it's
2: using a recruitment consultant. Thursday, 18th of August is quiz the museum workers. And
0: on Friday, 19th of August, breaking into sports journalism. That brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guests, Nanette Ripmeester and Charlie Bagley. Our resident undergrad, Alina Akindeli, Julian Lindley, Matt Keynes, and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Sarah Cudden. I'm Kerry Eustace. Goodbye.